I suppose it all started with the snow. You see, it was a very special kind of snow. A snow to make the happy happy and the giddy even giddy. A snow to make a homecoming homier and natural enemies friends. Yeah, Frosty it is. Frosty the snowman. Yay! Should I get it? Yeah, go ahead and get it, honey. Oh, oh I didn't mean that. Hello, Dr. Molinaro. Could we come in, please? Mom's had a bit of an accident. What, what, what is it? Oh, oh, be careful. You're kidding. I'm sorry, Susie. I tried my best, but... but... You couldn't get it because you're not Santa Claus, that's why. You're just a nice old man with whiskers, like my mother said. And I shouldn't have believed you. And a very Merry Christmas to you. Thank you, Mr. Kringle. And the same to you. So how did you do? Did you get all three? No? Did you get how many got one? Two? Three, a couple, all right. And by the way, uh, those of you who are not familiar, if you all of a sudden think, boy, that Gremlins must be a cute little Christmas movie, don't get that or you'll have a long Christmas Eve if you have young kids in your house. That will uh, keep everybody up, so uh, don't do that. Well, we're in the middle of our series, uh, Christmas at the Movies, and what we're doing is we're looking at different Christmas movies that some of us are familiar with and seeing how, as we watch them and see them unfold, we can see that many of them point to themes and ideas from the original Christmas story. The one about Jesus and Mary and Joseph and Hark the Herald Angels Sing. And so as we watch and see aspects of different movies, we can see how that points to the whole concept of God and God coming down for us, uh, being born in that little manger and living a life and then giving his life and dying and rising again so that you and I can have full life in him starting now and moving on. Well, last week uh, we had our Storm Edition, and it was a Charlie Brown Christmas, and we talked about that if you want to catch up. Uh, you can go online, uh, you can get a CD at uh, guest services, uh, you can watch our YouTube channel and catch up uh, there. So this morning we are looking at Elf, and we're going to be taking a look and seeing some of the themes that, uh, in a sense, he doesn't feel like he belongs, if you're familiar with the movie, and if you watch him, he really doesn't belong. And we get an idea of what we sometimes face as we live our lives uh, today. So let's just watch the opener so you can get a little feel for who Elf is and what he's about if you don't know. New Line Cinema proudly presents a little holiday story. One Christmas Eve, Santa Claus got an unexpected gift of his own. What in the name of Sam Hill? Thirty years later... Let's recite the code of the elves, shall we? Treat every day like Christmas. Number two. 
There's room for everyone on the nice list. Number three. The best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. Now, he's taking a journey to find the family he's never known. Boy. And nothing's going to stop him. Sorry, your car's pretty. Will Ferrell is Elf. Does someone need a hug? Smile, smiling's my favorite. Make work your favorite. That okay. Okay, people, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming to town. Santa! Santa here? I know him. I know him. Wait. I'm singing. I'm in a store, and I'm singing. I'm in a store, and I'm singing. Hey! There's no singing in the North Pole. Yes, there is. No, it's not. We sing all the time. No, it's not. Especially when we make toys. <laughs> so as you can see, Elf, better known as Buddy, finds himself in a world where he just doesn't feel like he belongs. And all of us from time to time, uh, those of us who are new to faith, uh, those of us who have been trusting the Lord for a lot of years, uh, those of us who are trying to figure out if faith has something to really even say to our life have all had that common experience of feeling we don't belong or we don't fit. Now, I have to be really transparent with you. Um, I don't like the movie Elf. I, it, it bugs me watching him get into things. It's frustrating. And I, 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 just, I just, oh, it just, it, just really, it just drives me crazy. But there is one scene that I really do like from Elf. And, and I just have to show it to you. This is, you know, I, I'm a kind of guy that thinks, uh, you know, Die Hard 1 is like a Christmas movie. And then again, that's another one don't watch with your family. But, uh, you know, so I like a little more action kind of thing in my Christmas movies. But, but this is a scene that I really love from uh, Elf. Ow! Son of a nutcracker! Those are bad news. We better get out of here. You know what? We can take them. Okay. Just start making as many snowballs as you can.
the good old days. I had to do it, but uh, that's my favorite scene from uh, Elf. But seriously, you and I can relate to his experience. We've been in school, and we felt we didn't belong. Uh, maybe the neighborhood we've lived in. Maybe the place we work. Uh, wherever it may be, sometimes even our family, we feel we just don't belong, we don't fit in. And, and we have to wrestle with that. And that just continually comes around in the story of Elf and Buddy. Just every cross of a decision or an idea, uh, eating dinner, whatever it is, he just, he just does, doesn't fit. And so what do you and I do with that real-life, not-so-funny feeling when we feel that we do not belong or we don't fit? And I think it's, it's, it's inside all of us. Again, no matter where we are in our faith journey, uh, there are these times where we don't feel like we fit. But as a Christ follower, as a Christ follower, we're going to see that that feeling of not fitting or that feeling of not belonging is going to have a, another intensity on another, uh, another whole area, another whole facet. You see, because as we discover, as we start to our relationship with Christ, as we say yes to him, as we place our trust, uh, you've heard words like the person got saved or they're born again. Those are those ideas of coming in contact with God through what Christ did for us on the cross and his resurrection. As a Christ follower, you're going to start to realize as you study uh, the Newer Testament, the letters that Christians wrote on how to follow God, you're going to discover that as a Christ follower, you're really not from here. You're really not from here. We're going to see that this chapter of life, living on the planet Earth, wherever we live on the planet Earth, this really isn't our home. Our home has changed when we say yes to Christ. So there's going to be a continued rub, a continued frustration, a continued tension when we're trying to walk with God, follow Christ, have those things, those, those ways of life start to be reflected in our life from the inside out. We've talked about that. We're going to find that we just don't fit in. And really, we're, we're not from here. Uh, other passages will talk about our citizenship is in heaven, not here. These concepts are all throughout the Newer Testament. And, and because of that, uh, it gets us in trouble with society. And obviously, Buddy got in trouble all the time. For example, watch this. Santa. Hey, buddy, how you doing? Hey, 
Who the heck are you? What are you talking about? I'm Santa Claus. No, you're not. Uh, why, of course I am. <laughs> you're Santa. What song did I sing for you on your birthday this year? Uh, happy birthday, of course. <laughs> so, uh, how old are you, son? Four. You're a big boy. What's your name? Paul. And uh, what can I Paul, get you for Christmas? Don't tell him what you want. He's a liar. Let the kid talk. You disgust me. How can you live with yourself? Just cool it, Zippy. You sit on a throne of lies. Look, I'm not kidding. You're a fake. I'm a fake? Yes. How'd you like to be dead? Huh? No, he's kidding. You stink. I think you're gonna have a good Christmas, all right? You smell like beef and cheese. You don't smell like Santa. Okay. <gasps> <gasps> he's a fake! He's a fake! He's a fake! Just gets worse and worse and worse for poor Buddy. So as Christ followers, how does, how does this show up? First of all, we need to realize that our ultimate home is not here. If you're going to live in this world, and we're all called to live in this world, and you feel that feeling that you don't belong or don't totally fit in, that's natural. You should expect that. Because this world, for the Christ follower, is not your ultimate home. It is not here. So you ought to feel a little bit like you live against the grain to some degree. Your center of life, your passions in life, your, your values in life are going to be a little or hopefully a lot in some areas out of phase with, with the world you live in because this isn't ultimately your or my home. Apostle Paul writes about this in a letter that he sends to the Corinthians. And if you want to go there, it's 2 Corinthians 5, verse 1. You can find that on those rack Bibles right around you on page 805. And if you don't happen to have a paper copy of the God's Word, I'd love you to take that as a gift. Also, uh, you can download it onto your electronic device with the free app version, And then you can have all kinds of translations, and they can be right with you wherever you go. Uh, you're waiting at the doctor's appointment. You can pull out your phone, pull out your tablet, read a little bit. It's really helpful. And what's also nice about version is they have reading plans. So even as we move into the Christmas season, uh, we've talked about having those bookmarks for Right Now Media. You can pick some of those up at uh, guest services and gives you some watching plans, but you also can get a reading plan just to squeeze a little bit more out of celebrating the season. We talked about that a lot last week. So 2 Corinthians 5, verse 1. This is what we read. For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. So what in the world does that mean? What is Paul getting at? Paul is saying this. Paul is saying our physical bodies are like a tent. And the idea is someday this body will get folded up and put away. As the days go on, we're going to find that our tent starts to get worn in different places. Uh, we need a new knee, a new hip, 
Need a little this, little that, because the tent is wearing out. We, our bodies are like tents. And what Paul is pointing to the fact is that as a Christ follower, as your body wears out, eventually you and I will find that our home is not here, but is in heaven, actually in a new heavens and a new earth. If you've done a little more studying, you'll see that that's the ultimate end. So as we look at our lives, we realize that our home isn't ultimately here. Our bodies are not going to last forever. And we understand that. So we start thinking through those eyes. We start realizing that. Uh, occasionally, I'll meet somebody who, um, let's say, was in their 30s. I, I had a good friend who, when he was 31, he had a massive heart attack. And all of a sudden, he was a person of faith, but he was kind of not all in, dancing around the edges. All of us have probably been there. But when he had that massive heart attack, it got his attention, and he said, wow, I'm not destined to live forever. I mean, he knew that mentally, but now he was feeling it, and that radically changed his life. He realized his tent was wearing out. Now, my friend Larry, he, he lived into his 80s, but for the next 50 years, his life had a different center, a different rhythm to it, because he understood his tent would someday get folded up and put away. And he got a little premature taste of that. And so that was actually a gift for him. That heart attack changed everything. It changed the way he was a father, a husband, involved in a local church trying to make a difference. It changed everything. And some of us, and I've heard some of those stories, all of a sudden you get a glimpse at the fact that your tent will be folded up someday and you say, if that's the case, where's my relationship with God? How am I living with that? Do, do I have a relationship with God? Is he a part of my life? Have I said yes to him? And now that becomes very important. So no matter what age we're at, we need to think through this thought that our bodies are a tent. They're going to get folded up and put away. And when that happens, do we have a relationship with God that will continue on throughout eternity? or not. Because if we don't, if we don't, our eternity will not be with God. It will be separated from God. A lot of us in this room, when we hear that, realize that that is called hell. It's just not not existing. It's just not going where all your friends who have said no to God go. It's actually a bad place. It's a horrendous place. It's a hurtful place. And so we don't want to go there, obviously. But even more than that, it's just not fire insurance, if you will. I, I want to spend eternity with God, my maker. I want my relationship to be tight with him. And that next chapter of life will be that way when you have said yes to Christ, when you've accepted his forgiveness, when you realize that he paid the price for your disobedience, my disobedience, we call that sin, my selfishness. He paid the price so I can have a relationship with God. So Paul starts to talk about this. One of Jesus' closest friends, Peter, some of us are familiar with him, writes this. He says, friends, this world is not your home, so don't make yourself cozy in it. Don't indulge your ego at the expense of your soul. This world's not your home. 
Don't be cozy in it. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't be comfortable to some degree. But it shouldn't be so nice-fitting that you don't have that rub. You don't need to manufacture that rub. You don't need to manufacture going against the grain. But if you're following Christ and growing in him, this world is apparently in your mind regularly not your home. Every time I watch the news, I'm reminded that the way this world works is not my home. It's broken. It's not right. I horrified what I hear about what happened in Hawaii this week at, a, at, at Pearl Harbor. Then I'm horrified Friday morning when I hear what happened in, um, in Florida at Pensacola. I watch the news, I'm horrified when I hear of a guy like Epstein that seemingly flew under the radar but really didn't flow under the radar and people knew what he was doing and didn't do anything about it. See, th this isn't our home. Things don't work right. People aren't right. So when you and I, as a Christ follower especially, when you and I feel comfortable and secure in this world, that should trigger some questions. We're, is, is this world my home? Or isn't it? Or have I, in a sense, built up enough calluses on my heart that those things don't even register with me. Peter, Paul are both saying that this isn't your home and you should feel the fact that your home. Don't indulge your ego, ego, your self-importance at the expense of your, your soul. Some of that could be, I don't run my life. I try to surrender my life to God on a regular basis. It's not that once and done, I surrender my life to God. It's a daily event. Let me know your secret. Sometimes it's an every 15-minute event for me. I have to re-surrender, re-surrender. Because he needs to be the center of my life. He needs to be calling the shots. I need to be following his lead. And I can't be saying I'm so self-important that I ignore him and do what I'm going to do. See, that, that's, that's indulging your ego. Um, the way I spend my money, uh, the way I spend my time, self-importance, the way I view myself compared to other people, all ego things. And do I indulge my ego at the expense of my soul? That doesn't mean if you've trusted Christ, you lose your relationship with God. But, but I can indulge my ego ego at the expense of the health of my soul. So my walk with God is not healthy. Sometimes we talk about being aware of his presence, aware of his leading. And sometimes we say there's static on the line. The call is not clear. This week I had a computer question. I was talking to this person and I could not understand what they were saying. I, I, I felt like, a, it felt like a, an idiot, because I, I go, can you repeat yourself? And the person on the other side, I'm going, I'm trying not to be difficult. I cannot understand what you're saying. And you and I can let our ego go, our self-importance go to some place. We can even dress it up and look spiritual. We can dress it all up at the expense of our health, and there's so much static on the line, we really can't understand I had a friend that was losing his hearing 
and he didn't want to come to terms with it. So a lot of times when you would talk with him, you'd go, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And at first I thought he wasn't, he, I'm going, what's wrong? Because then all of a sudden later on, he'd be going in a completely different direction. And it's because he couldn't hear me. And he acknowledged he, he had heard me, but he really couldn't hear me. And sometimes you and I, as Christ followers, God speaks to our hearts, service, personal Bible reading, wherever, through a song, and we're kind of going, uh-huh, uh-huh, but we're really not listening. We're not getting it, and it affects our soul and our walk with him. If our home isn't ultimately here, we have to also realize that our happiness isn't ultimately here. And I, I, I tell you, if you are a Christ follower and you're basing all your happiness on here or this next thing or this next moment, this next station in life, place in life, position, when the kids finally grow up, whatever it may be, on, you're going to find that that never satisfies the next purchase. It may distract for a little while, may feel good for a little while, but your happiness, if you're a Christ follower, is not here. So if you're debating whether to follow Christ, just honest with you, you're going to find if you say yes to Christ, I want you in my life, you're going to find that your satisfaction in your world, in your life, will probably go down a little bit in some areas. Because now the return isn't there. Because your ultimate happiness is somewhere else. Paul goes on and says this. He says, sometimes we can hardly wait to move, and so we cry out in frustration. Some days you and I are really mindful. I go, I can't wait for heaven. Compared to what's coming, living conditions around here seem like a stopover in an unfurnished shack, and we're tired of it. We've been a given a glimpse of the real thing in our true home. There are moments where all of a sudden we, it comes into perspective that our home isn't here, our happiness isn't here. I don't know about you, but sometimes I'm listening to a song, or I'm hearing a message, or I'm reading a passage, and I'm just aware of God's presence, and it seems to fill every nook and cranny in my empty, hard heart. And it's just like a, a moment. The shade went up, I get a glimpse, and the shade goes down, and I want more of that. I want more of that. That little taste creates more of a hunger. I get a taste of home. Those of us who have left home at some time in our lives, whatever it may be, maybe the service, maybe college, uh, maybe a trip or whatever, and it's a long event, you know, and we're somewhere else, we love getting a taste of home. I know when I was uh, at college, I, I think it was my, I can't remember, if, yeah, it would have been my first, my freshman year of college down in Virginia, uh, there was a couple that had moved from the Boston area down to Lynchburg, Virginia, and what was nice is that we kind of would connect with them every once in a while. They were more like a grandpa and Grammy kind of person, and uh, we would go over their house, and uh, uh, we would go over their house, and it would be like being home, and that taste was nice, but then there was also a sadness because I wanted to really, really be home. 
Probably my, my worst visit over there was in 1985, and we went over there to watch the, the Super Bowl, and that's the Super Bowl where the Bears beat the Patriots 46 to 10. It was just horrible, and uh, so we had a taste of home because we could watch the Patriots, but then we had this taste of home where they lost. Uh, terribly, and then when we came back onto campus, everybody who was not from New England loved telling us that they had lost, and so we came onto our dorm floor with about 90 guys, and they were like high-fying each other as we came through, and they just were so excited about that. But, you know, the idea is well, when we get a taste of home, it whets our appetite. Some of you say things like, oh, my mom used to make it like that. Or sometimes, uh, I don't know about you, but sometimes I hear a, a song that used to be on the radio when I was growing up from the 80s, and, and I hear it, and all of a sudden it, it, takes, a, it takes me right back to, to, to home when I was growing up. Electric Avenue, a one-hit wonder, takes me back to being at the beach on Plum Island or Seabrook, New Hampshire. I, I hear that song, and I'm there. I can smell the, the suntan oil and all that stuff, and the to taste the sand in my mouth, because usually there's some sand in my mouth. It, it brings us back a taste of home. Paul is saying our happiness isn't here. So when you and I as Christ followers expected to be here, it's always going to be left lacking. Also, my ultimate hope is not here. My deliverance is not here. My hope is in the future. Hope is when my faith will be sight. Right after church uh, today, Cindy and I are going to be heading back to Massachusetts because my dearest friend, Dave Lobley's dad, passed away this week. And uh, when he sent me the text message telling me, he actually said, my for my dad, his faith is now sight. And so this is terrible. This is sad. It had been a long illness. But Mr. Lobley's faith is now sight. That's his hope. Dave, my buddy's hope wasn't in getting him into the right doctor to, in a sense, save his life. He was in his late 80s. That can happen when you get into your late 80s. Your, your tent is being folded up. But he said, my dad's faith is sight. That's where his hope is. Paul goes on to say, therefore... We, have all, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, here, we are away from the Lord. For we live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. You see, Paul, that's where his hope was. As long as he had a job to do on planet Earth, he was all in. He was all in, he was engaged, but he longed for the day where his faith would be sight. You see, what happens for many of us, what we sometimes have this problem is that, is that we, get, we get distracted by all the things of life. And Christmas is one of those times. Last week, again, we said to enjoy Christmas, go big with Christmas. Don't feel guilty about Christmas. Enjoy it. But at the same time, we can let a lot of things cloud our vision, cause a fog to come in so we don't see things clearly. There's a story about Florence Chadwick 
1952, uh, she stepped into the waters of the Pacific Ocean off Catalina Island. She was determined to swim to the shore of the mainline, mainline California. She had already been the first woman to swim the English Channel both ways. The weather was foggy and chilly. She could hardly see the boats accompanied her. Still, she swam for 15 hours when she begged to be taken out of the water along the way. Along the way, her mother and the boat side said, told her she was close and that she could make it. Finally, physically and emotionally exhausted, she stopped swimming and was pulled out. It wasn't until she was on the boat that she discovered the shore was less than half a mile away. At the news conference, she said the next day, when asked what it was that kept her from making her goal, she responded, all I could see was the fog. I think if I could have seen the shore, I would have made it. When you are out there and you can't see your goal, you lose all sense of progress and you give up. Where is your hope? Where is my hope? Do I see off in the distance a life with God fully and completely in the next chapter for eternity? And because I see that and I, I see that clearly, I run the race with all I have. I don't give up. I don't get back in the boat. I keep at it. Not only is our ultimate hope not here, in a theory, our heart shouldn't be here totally. My ultimate heart is not here. It's not, it's not where my heart is set on the here and now. It's not my answer. It's not my destination. Again, Paul goes on and says this, There is no doubt that we live with a daring passion, but in the end we prefer to be gone from this body so that we can be at home with the Lord. Going on to verse 10, Ultimately, it does not matter whether we are here or gone. Our purpose stays fixed. And this is to please him. That's where our heart is. Our heart is to please God. Not to earn our way to heaven. Not to earn his love. Because you already have it. You have his love. You don't have to earn it. You just say yes to him. And you have his love and a relationship with God. So we live to please him. We live to, in a sense, make him proud as our heavenly father. And again, it's not to earn anything. It's just because we're so in love with him. We see that as our destination. It's so much on our radar, in our mind, on our focus, that we just want to please him. C.S. Lewis writes this. He says, if you read history, you'll find that Christians who did the most for the present world were just those who thought most of the next. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they've become so ineffective in this. Goes on, aim at heaven and you'll get the earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you'll get neither. Where's your heart? Jesus says it this way. He says, it's obvious, isn't it? The place where your treasure is, is the place 
you will want most to be and end up being. See, when we don't feel like we belong, that can be a good thing because it can remind us that this world, this chapter of life, isn't our ultimate destination. It isn't our ultimate home. It gives us clarity. And we're going to have bumps in the road. People are going to misunderstand us when we're trying to keep our eyes on heaven, keep our eyes on Christ. Now, sometimes they misunderstand us because we're being a jerk, and we can't blame that on heaven. Can't blame that, oh, it's because I'm so heavenly-minded. Well, no, you're just not being kind. Jesus says, be nice. But then there's this whole other level, even when you are nice, even when you are kind, even when you think of others before yourself, you're going to take, get this heat, you're going to be misunderstood. And of course, this happens to Elf. You got, uh... I'm in love, I'm in love, and I don't care who knows it. Buddy, uh, not now, uh, can you please go back to the, uh, to the pit? I'll come visit you in a little while, okay? I didn't know you had elves working here. Boy, you're, you're hilarious, my friend. He doesn't, uh, get, get back to the story, please. <clears throat> so, on the cover above the title. Does Santa know that you left the workshop? You know, we're all laughing our heads off. Did you have to borrow a reindeer to get down here? Buddy, go back to the basement. I've got houses in L.A., Paris, and Vail. Oh. Each one of them with a 70-inch plasma screen. So I suggest you wipe that stupid smile off your face before I come over there and smack it off. You feeling strong, my friend? Call me Elf one more time. He's an angry elf. Look at you! Ow! Hey, what and it goes on. <laughs> where do you want me to go? I don't care where you go. I don't care that you're an elf. I don't care that you're nuts. I don't care that you're my son. Get out of my life! Now! And that sometimes happens. If you have seen the movie Elf, all of his comments are good intentions. There's not a malicious bone in his body, but he doesn't fit. His way of functioning is the North Pole way of functioning. And Santa's workshop, totally wired a different way. And yet those around him, those he desires to be closest with him, just sometimes just can't put it together. You need to expect it. You don't necessarily need to like it, but you need to expect it. That, that's going to happen. If you're full in, all in, if you're following Christ, expect to be misunderstood. Expect it. Expect it. Expect some of the people that are closest to you, family members. Expect it. People at work, they're just not going to get what you're saying. They're not going to completely get you. Doesn't mean you don't try. Doesn't mean you, you give up. But you just need to, that's a part of the deal. If you're following Christ and you live in a world that is not following Christ, it's going to become apparent all the time that you don't fit. 
If it never is apparent to you and you say you're a Christ follower, you need to stop and ask, why is that? Am I really following Christ? Am I really leaning into that? Because there ought to be moments where you feel, I don't belong. There's not a place for me. You don't go looking for it. You don't try to create that. You don't, you don't be that weird Christian. But there are going to be times that that just happens. So as when you and I are looking at life, and we're looking at life, especially this time of season with Christmas, we have to realize that we don't, in a sense, pass out as you pass through. I've met Christ followers that, in a sense, have given up. They've, they've passed out. And it gets shown in different ways. And we're going to talk about those in a few moments. That it gets shown in a different way. They've passed out because they're, they're, they don't realize they're just passing through. And because of that, they disengage at some level. Peter writes, Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage against your very soul. That idea of desires is where are your allegiances? If this world is all it is, even if you're a Christ follower, if you live that way, they, it wages war against your soul. We need to hold the things of life with an open hand. We need to realize that we're just going through even those things that are so wonderful. There's nothing wrong with enjoying them, but you don't hold them like this. You hold them like this, realizing you're passing through, and those things are temporary. My heart's not aligned with the things. It's aligned with following and enjoying Christ's presence in the here and now. So be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. I hope you actually live among unbelieving folks. It's just assumed. Not that you've isolated yourself. Then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. You know, it's one thing uh, to take flack from somebody because you don't do something right. You should expect that. It's a whole different thing to take flack from somebody and you're doing things right. doesn't mean you're perfect, but you're, but you're traveling in a certain direction. Don't give people reasonable reasons to think Christians are lousy. And when you do things right... Honor Christ. They're going to get that. And many times, probably most of the time, they're not going to express it. But deep down inside, they know it. So what do we do when we're living far from home? Because if you're a Christ follower, you're living far from home. First of all, there's a couple options. There's a couple ways we can handle this. There's a couple ways we can deal with it. First of all, uh, we can live like this is your home. We can say, you know, I'm here. I'm going to be all in here. I'm not going to live like this isn't my home. So this is my home. i got to get as much, do as much, be as much here and the now. We may not even articulate that, but our lifestyle, our dreams, our desires all reflect that. John, another close friend of Jesus, writes this. He says, don't love the world's ways. Don't love the world's goods. Love of the world squeezes out love for the Father. In other words, there's, there's only room 
for one person, item, thing to have allegiance of your heart. And if it isn't the Father, if it isn't God, and you let other things have the allegiance of your heart, it squeezes out love for the Father. So it doesn't mean don't like those things. It doesn't mean don't enjoy those things. Don't love those things. Practically everything that goes on in the world, wanting your own way, wanting everything for yourself, wanting to appear important, has nothing, nothing to do with the Father. It just isolates you from Him. The world and all it's wanting, wanting is on the way out. But whoever does what God wants is set for eternity. Ever thought about that? Next chapter of life, new heavens, new earth, ultimately, you will be satisfied. You will be content. The wanting stuff will be gone. It won't be a part of who you, who I am. So... We're strangers, we're just passing through, I don't belong here. We can redouble our efforts and do everything possible to, to make it feel like this is our home. Um, that's one extreme. The other extreme is we can do this thing I refer to often as a holy huddle. You can live like you're in a holy huddle, in a bubble. Make sure you don't touch anything outside the Christian world. You, you live in this holy bubble, and you just insulate yourself from that. And then we've got to realize that Paul doesn't call us to live in a holy bubble, holy huddle. He says we need to be out there and in the world, but not of the world. And that's a fine balance. That's a, that's a tension we just have to live in in this chat. It comes with a deal. So what does Paul do? He goes, I entered their world and tried to experience things from their point of view. I become just about every sort of servant there is in my attempt to lead those I meet to a God-saved life. In other places, he says, I've done that without sinning. I do all this because of the message, the good news, the good news that Jesus came, gave his life, and rose again. For anyone, it's good for anyone. I did this all because of that message. I didn't just want to talk about it. I wanted to be in on it. I wanted it to be the lifeblood of my life. I wanted it to be the heartbeat of my heart. I wanted it to be the rhythm of my life. So I wanted to not just know about it. I wanted to experience it. I wanted to live it out. And to do that means you've got to be out there. You've got to be in the greater world. You got to know your neighbors. You got to know the people you uh, work with and, uh, in a sense, uh, play with. You're, you're, you're a part of the little league system or soccer. You need to know those folks. You need to be out there. No holy huddles for the person that knows they don't belong. That's not the way they respond. So they just don't hunker down and say, I'm just going to try to make it through life and keep, be to myself. That actually is a very selfish way to live and use your life. So what's the option? I really wrestled with the word I wanted to use. I've used different words and come back and forth. And, uh, you know, basically uh, I wanted to say, you know, you can live as an ambassador. But then I said you can live as a visitor. But that was too disconnected. You can live as a re representative. And I came back to the word ambassador. 
we can live as ambassadors in our world. Representatives, uh, it's not our home. When, usually when an ambassador goes to a foreign country, it, they, they, it's, it's, they've gone to a different country to represent. They need to know and be a part. They need to be able to speak the language. They need to know, the, know the, what, what, what the culture's like. They understand that. They need to be able to function in that without, without losing their allegiance to their sending country. They're Americans first if they're an American ambassador, but they need to immerse themselves in that culture. They don't do the holy huddle. But, they, but at the same time, they don't live as if that's their home because then they would be being a traitor to their country. Paul writes this, we are now Christ's ambassadors as though God were appealing direct to you through us. Does that, does that phrase weigh you down? Boy, that phrase weighs me down because that means the people I come in contact with are seeing God in my life or not seeing God in my life or having a miscommunication of who God is by the way I live my life. God is appealing through us. He, he, that's, he left us here to do this job. And so I, I, I have a heaviness to that. It's an honor. It's a privilege. It's a delight to be in on what he's doing. But there's also a weighted responsibility. As his personal representative, we say... Make your peace with God, for God caused Christ, who himself knew nothing of sin, actually to be sin for our sake, so that in Christ we might be made good with God. Good news, gospel, all those ideas, good with God. Because this isn't our home. And so you and I, as we look at this world and we, we're, not, we're living far from home, we have those three options. Am I going to be an ambassador or not? Because again, we don't just want to pass out in this world. We want to pass through. We, 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 we understand we're passing through, so we don't want to pass out. So all of us, as we think about our lives and think about Elf and how the fact he didn't belong, he didn't fit in, I have to ask you, how are you feeling about that? Do you, do you feel that tension in your life? And what are you doing with that tension in your life? Are you holding on to the ambassadorship? Are you holding on to, I'm just going to act like this is my home? Or are you acting like a person that just is living in a holy huddle and you want as little exposure to that greater world as possible? You don't want to be out there. Or are you trying to represent the God who changed your life? And this morning, if you're someone who has not said yes to Christ, and you're still grappling with that, uh, you know, on our website and also in three areas, we have this little pamphlet called Knowing God Personally. Um, you can go there on the website and walk through, I think it's like 20 little pages, and it can talk more about what it means to know God. Again, it's at those three locations. Um, also, there's a book called um, How Good is Good Enough. Again, it talks about your relationship with God so that you can see that this world is not your home, so you just don't pass out as you pass through. Because the reality is, all of us, whether we're following Christ or not, this isn't our ultimate destination. We are passing through. So think about those. Think about how can I interact 
with those ideas, those concepts in my life? How do they get flushed out for me? Not someday in the future, but tomorrow, this afternoon. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we just uh, thank you for your word. We thank you that uh, your message is out there in different forms, that there are all kinds of things that illustrate the fact that you want to have a relationship with us. You don't want just little robots. You want people that walk through life with you. And I ask no matter where we're at in life that we would be able to take that next step for us personally. Pray for the person this morning that is just wrestling with, with all the things and all the attractiveness of this home. And as they take stock, they go, wow, I'm acting like this is my home. I ask that you would be able to help them sort through that and take a step more towards their eternal home with the way they interact with you and live their lives. And then those of us who are, in a sense, scared to catch what's going on in the world, so we live in isolation. I pray that you'd help us to see that world. Help us, to, help us to see what Jesus did. Jesus leaves heaven to come to earth. He doesn't stay in the holy huddle of heaven. He comes here. And then those of us who are still taking steps and have lots of steps to go, help us to be good representatives. Be good, solid ambassadors for you. And lastly, I ask if there's anyone here this morning who has not said yes to you, has not opened their life to you, I pray that they would. And even as they're sitting in their seat right now, the, the, the communication of their heart to you is, yes, Jesus, come into my life. Thank you for being a gift to me. Thank you for the forgiveness of my sins. Thank you that you rose again, which shows that there's power in you. And that even now they could start their relationship with you. We ask all of this in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. This time in our service is where we receive our...